Blake Rourke? Blake Rourke? One minute the curtain, Mr. Rourke. Uh, hey, remind me, what are we talking about today? Why Muppet Studios, an unbuilt land at Disney MGM Studios, which had incredible restaurants and a whole dark ride. Okay, I I'm looking over the research material. Dogs, chickens, pigs, frogs. Seems more like a farm than a movie studio. <laughs> no, I don't think whatever Gonzo is would be let on a farm. Is anybody paying you to write these bad, corny jokes? I wish I was paid. That's depressing. Well, my makeup is just about done, so let's get out there and put on a good show. Makeup? Oh, our audience won't be seeing your face, Mr. Rourke. They won't? Why is that? Didn't anyone tell you? We're a podcast. Ugh, I need to get a better agent. Muppet Studios with our special guest, Blake Rourke, here on Unbuilt! Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to another episode of Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast. With me here today is my co-host, Ryan Dorman. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Awesome. But for the first time on our podcast, we have a special guest. You know him as at Neil Nevins on Twitter. One of the only few good things remaining in Texas, Blake Rourke. Howdy, How howdy. I'm <laughs> yeah. good. I, I feel like my state is run by a bunch of Muppets right now. Aw, that's, that's a little cruel to the Muppets. Maybe the ones that have the, you know, the, the Kaboom Muppets who are always mm. blowing things up. That's, that's more, more light to what we have. That's, that's true. That's definitely true. All right, guys. So before we get into it, uh, we are super excited to talk about the Muppets and possible theme park attractions with them that never got made. I just want to know, what are you guys' history with the Muppets? Uh, I'll, I'll do uh, Dorman first. Oh, uh, I mean, the Muppets was probably my first big obsession as a kid. <laughs> I think uh, mm -hmm. uh, was, uh, I remember I had the, the season one DVD and like a little portable DVD player. And if you could burn a DVD by overplaying it, I definitely would have. I think also I think that was my first theme park podcast I ever listened to. It was one about old Muppet stuff. So I'm super excited to talk what, about what it. What was what was the uh what was was it Lude Mangello? Oh of course it was Lou Mangello. Yes! Like, <laughs> I, knew it. I knew it. I knew it was Lou Mangello. <laughs> uh and Blake, uh, what about you? Uh, I think like the earliest I can remember was probably the Disney Channel, like the mid to late nineties. Like Disney didn't own the Muppets, but they were still, I guess, very collaborative. Because mm -hmm. my earliest memory is the, uh, like the Kokomo music video oh, yeah. that they did, <laughs> and they also uh, played the Muppet Show like early in the mornings. Uh, since before I went to school, like I would always like watch the Muppet Show and just. Uh, I think they played the Muppet Treasure Island is the first official Muppet mm -hmm. movie I saw, and it was just uh, in love from there. Right. And Tim Curry and the Muppets. How can you go wrong? It's hard to uh, top that. Exactly. Uh, I watched Muppet show reruns on Nickelodeon back when they would air it at 730 at night. 
and we would see all of the Muppet movies. We would just, me and my sister, we just loved them. Went to see Muppet Treasure Island in the theater, cracked up. You know, oh, nice. I, you know, how can you not love a movie with the line? He died, and this is supposed to be a kids movie. You just, you know, from there. Okay, this is this is what I'm all about right here. So I've seen Muppet Vision 3D. I, I don't even know how many times I have seen it. I, I've definitely lost count. Whenever I went to California Adventure, when it was still there, I would, I would see it every time. So it has to be. It's probably in the dozens and dozens and dozens. And it's so weird that this was just, just one piece of a giant land that they were going to make. You 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 struggle to think about how much there could have been, and mm-hmm. that is that is what I'm seeking to really dig into today because there are some really interesting discussions that we're going to have about the the what ifs of all of this, and um, I think with that let's get started and dive into Muppet Studios. Here we are at our main topic, and right now uh, we're going to be talking about what it was, and with a little prologue from here. In the mid-1970s, puppeteer Jim Henson would take a gamble on a British variety show that was entirely cast, aside from the human guest star, with his zany puppets, aptly named The Muppets. Dad, what's a Muppet? Well, it's not quite a Mupp, and it's not quite a Puppet. But man, (laughs) so to answer your question, I don't know. This was The Muppet Show, which quickly became one of the biggest television shows of the era. In 1979, Jim took his creations to the big screen in the sweet and hilarious film The Muppet Movie. In the film, our stalwart emphasis on wart hero, Kermit the Frog, <laughs> set his head on a journey to Hollywood, meeting friends such as Fozzie, a comedian bear, Gonzo, a whatever with the knack for plumbing and daredevil stunts, and of course, the limelight-hogging Miss Piggy. Nobody tell her I said that, please. Thank you. <laughs> the film was an instant success, spawning two sequels, The Great Muppet Caper and The Muppets Take Manhattan. Their irreverent sense of humor and lovable charm in particular caught the eye of a Paramount executive, Michael Eisner. Of course, around the time the third Muppets film debuted, Eisner would find himself the head of the Walt Disney Company. Now taking charge of the mouse, Eisner sought to rejuvenate the brand by associating itself with other hip creators and brands. Star Wars, Michael Jackson, Robert Zemeckis, Indiana Jones were some of Eisner's grabs at the time, all to massive success. But he also had an eye for Jim's wildly popular cast of felt characters. Jim himself was growing weary of controlling the franchise and wanted some creative freedom, bogged down in ambitious creative projects. Eisner approached Henson with an offer. 
sell the Muppets to Disney, and become a creative consultant to the brand with little to no executive interference. For the tired genius, this was a no-brainer. Michael quickly sprang into action for how the Muppets would be introduced to the Disney empire. His immediate detention turned to Disney MGM Studios, which opened in May 1989. This half-day theme park was meant to be more of an additional attraction to further pan out a vacation to Walt Disney World, with only one ride, an exhibit, two shows, and its two-hour studio tour. There was a break in that studio tour, but, I mean, still, it was a two-hour studio tour. Hmm. That's a lot. Um, With crowds more intense than predicted, Eisner pushed for an incredible expansion of the park, included more rides, restaurants, shows, and multiple themed lands. The list of unbuilt Disney MGM Studios lands is quite impressive, but we're going to have to wait another day to explore the rest i'm sure we all know what we're talking about um so yeah there's there's a lot out there of all the lands planned only two were built and only one of those was fully built and this is what people don't quite ever realize sunset boulevard of course and the land we're talking about today muppet studios Now, yes, this is unbuilt. We talk about unbuilt things. And so you're thinking, wait, was Muppet Studios built? Then why are we talking about it? Well, it's complicated. The latter was to open in two phases. Phase one included the brand new 4D attraction that would further what Disney had accomplished with 1986's Captain EO called Muppet Vision 3D. This was slated to open in 1991 with the rest of the expansion debuting in 1993. Muppet Vision was Eisner's first collaboration with Henson, done swiftly and before a contract could be negotiated with the Walt Disney Company to purchase the characters. That way, the attraction could be ready sooner. Muppet Vision was also slated to open simultaneously at Disneyland in the Opera House Theater for a 1991 Muppets Takeover Disneyland promotion. Now, Mm. a lot of people think that what we're going to talk about later for why this didn't happen was why it didn't happen. It's actually not. Um, If you're familiar with Orange County, uh, there's a lot of, um, well, it's more political than you would hope. I'm sure you remember Blake, you, you know, for a little bit. Absolutely. Um, And uh, it was going to go in the opera house and a certain log cabin Republican was there at the time. Nobody went to Mr. Lincoln, but if you threaten to take out Mr. Lincoln, they get mad. The conservatives mm. get mad, and they mm. they railed against this, and so they kind of dropped that. They they quickly dropped that idea, like very quickly. They just had um, like a middle ground of putting Sam the Eagle in a Lincoln hat <laughs> and beard. <laughs> that, I would that would be great. And Great it's funny with me, and it's just about America. <laughs> No other countries. It's it, it is funny considering the fact that Sam Eagle would actually get put above the Hall of Presidents for a time for their great moments in history, but mostly American parts um, over on the East Coast. So moving on, Disneyland, however, was not going to receive the rest of the land planned in Florida. In Florida, that included two restaurants and an incredible dark ride. The land looked like a mixture of old brick warehouses converted into a studio campus and sound stages tacked on. 
Various props, water towers, and gizmos were affixed to the roofs and out the windows as zany characters made themselves feel at home. And in the show notes, um, you'll see a picture of what Muppet Studios was slated to look like. Now, what's interesting is, for the most part, it it looks kind of like what it is there on what's currently known as Grand Avenue, and, and we'll get to later. Um, once again, uh, this is something that people really not much aware of, the fact that this, this land, for the most part, actually did get built. Um, it just didn't get built. It's it's very strange. <laughs> okay. Uh, so once again, there was two restaurants, a ride, and of course, the Muppet Vision 3D show. The first restaurant was called the Great Gonzo's Pizza Pandemonium Parlor. And now, Dipping Pizza Hut's new Dipping Strips Pizza, ah, ah, the Great Gonzo. This was a sit-down restaurant located in the back of the land that required reservations similar to Disney MGM Studios' Primetime Cafe and Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater. A fancy New York-style pizzeria would be transformed into a unique Muppety experience as in the rafters animatronic rats would skitter by, make comments, and yes, deliver your food via a lowering pulley system that would ease its way down on your table. Um, there's some things that are similar to this, like a roller coaster cafe where your items are delivered, uh, through like these kind of unique Rube Goldberg contraptions. Um, but this would precede a lot of those things. So yes, the waiters and the cooks are rats. It, it was a little ahead of its time when you think of what's going down at Epcot right now. <laughs> the human wait staff would act harried and disheveled, dealing with the craziness going on between the staff and the titular owner, also the head chef, Gonzo. Of course, things don't always go right in the kitchen. A prompt door in view of patrons would occasionally blow wide open with billowing smoke and Gonzo's famous enthralled scream. <laughs> the waiters would shrug as if the kitchen blowing up happens all the time. Allegedly, a plan was to have chicken feathers embedded into the floor as Gonzo's chicken girlfriend, Camilla, would constantly stop by. There were also sounds piped in from the air ducts as Gonzo would be climbing back after being rocketed out of the building by an explosion. He would often comment on how good his food looks. In addition... Uh, the walls would be filled with Muppet references, props, and jokes. And proposals also want a video displays throughout the restaurant as Gonzo would have given you an insider's peek into the crazy commotion in the kitchen. Now, I don't know. At that point, I think you're, you're, you're doing a little too much. You're pushing it. <laughs> yeah, you're pushing it. It's like there's too much going on. That's like sensory I just want to add in, I don't think... Uh hypothetical kitchen that's constantly making exploding noises would have like uh stuck around after 9-11 oh, <laughs> when everyone yeah. is terrified that that is absolutely true <laughs> that that is a great point and and we'll get into that with the uh what if later on so for those with less time they can visit swedish chef's video cooking school This 
quick service restaurant uh, would have a giant hot air balloon shaped like the Swedish chef's head advertising lessons. If you come in, you could get lessons from the Swedish chef for a Swedish themed meal. But I have the feeling that along with Swedish meatballs, there would also be your standard hamburgers and hot dogs because let's be honest, this is Walt Disney World. Giant monitors would hang above the cash registers as the great borking chef, bork, 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 teaching guests how to make a meal. If only he can get the ingredients to agree to become part of the dish. Luckily, the chef's assistants, quote unquote, were on hand to make the actual meals with zero the resistance. The videos would also be shown in the area's dining room for the guests to enjoy with the food. As you can see, there was almost nowhere this land would let you go without trying to make you laugh. Now, in the alternate pitch of the quick service restaurant was the Hard Luck Cafe, a parody of Hard Rock Cafe, but themed to Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Can you picture that? Can you picture that? Yeah, I have a feeling that this was probably the cheaper option. Um, so because you could easily just throw up a video of Dr. Teeth compilations, you know, All right? very easy stuff. Probably even less than that, honestly. Yeah. It would still true. beat out the Hard Rock Cafe, but. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's saying a lot than compared to Disney World food to them. <laughs> Uh, so the star attraction of Muppet Studios was in between the pizza parlor and Muppet Vision 3D. A facade of a Frankenstein castle would be on display in front of a giant soundstage. An explosion hole through the facade and a tape sign would tell us that tours of Muppet Studios were now available. A sign stating the cost is scratched out all the way from five bucks to 25 cents all the way until it says free. This is the Great Muppet Movie Ride. And the Muppet Studios with a Muppet Vision 3D movie and the Muppets Movie Ride. It'll be a backstage ride of explaining how movies are shot. And it's almost, uh, but all the information is wrong. <laughs> a combined parody of the park's two signature attractions, the Great Movie Ride and the Backstage Studio Tour, guests would mill around a warehouse queue full of props from the Muppets' past films until reaching a loading dock. It's uncertain what specific kind of ride vehicles this attraction would utilize, but many sources say it was planned to be a smaller yet less complicated version of the great movie ride. This would be utilizing a bus bar technology instead of the gu wireless guided vehicles from the great movie ride. The idea of the attraction is that we would see how the Muppets make their films, but of course everything we learn and see is completely wrong as things go off the rails as they are wont to do. The tour would guide us through a series of sound stages with amazing animatronic-filled scenes packed to the brim with special effects. Guests would see both the behind-the-scenes chaos and, of course, the chaos unfolding on the set. Our first scene would be Gonzo directing the version of Frankenstein with Dr. Bunsen Honeydew as the famous doctor and Beaker as the monster. To produce the lightning effects, Fozzie must use himself as a conductor since the cable broke. And the power in the cable is Rizzo and a friend jogging on a hamster wheel. The effect is far too powerful as Beaker is sparking with electricity and starting the smoke. Gonzo, of course, loves it. As guests near the end of the scene on the other side are Statler and Waldorf pulling up on a golf cart, heckling the scene as it plays out. 
this would repeat for many other scenes ahead, including a moment where Statler and Waldorf would heckle the guests instead. From what I've heard this described of, it feels like it would have been a kind of like a rudimentary version of on Radiator Springs Racers when Mater pulls up in front of you and like rides along with you. It would kind of be like similar with that. So another show scene would involve Gonzo this time directing a Muppet version of Disney's Peter Pan with Kermit in the title role. The scene is of Peter flying the darling children played by Scooter, Janice and Fozzie over London town held up by wires. However, the miniature London rooftop sets are all knocked over as Tinkerbell portrayed by Miss Piggy is wildly swaying around on her wild wired strings with a clear piggy sized hole displayed on the backdrop as we turn the corner we can see the cause for the commotion it's the stagehand struggling to keep piggy afloat as the wires buckle under her weight and there's like this great concept art um, and we'll, we'll throw that up on the Twitter um, that you can see these uh, of all the chaos that is going on. Other scenes included a Dr. Shivago parody uh, with Miss Piggy and Kermit dressed in Russian parkas inside a plastic rotating snow globe. And this one is one of my favorites. Uh, a Western scene would feature a glimpse into Foley artistry as they would show the sounds how the sound of horses galloping is accomplished via using coconuts. Of course, the Foley artists just happen to be actual Muppet horses with coconuts attached to their hooves. That's a great joke. Let's be honest. That is a great joke. Uh, the finale of the attraction would be the shooting set of the Pigs in Space movie. And now, Pigs in Space! As we glide past the bridge of the USS Swine Track and watch Miss Piggy and Link Hogthrob fight against space pirates who are actually dressed as ocean pirates having wandered onto the wrong soundstage. So you kind of get the idea here. It's right. very sticky, you know, lots of gags and jokes just one after another. Vaudevillian. Mm-hmm. Uh, guests would disembark their ride vehicle and head it back into the park, knowing absolutely nothing accurate about how the movies are made, just as Jim had intended. Unfortunately, at this point, we have to talk about why didn't we get all this amazing stuff? We got to break some hearts. In the winter of 1990, MuppetVision 3D was filmed, directed by Jim Henson. At the same time, they prepped two more theme park-related projects with Jim. The Here Come the Muppets stage show, which if you haven't seen, you should probably not see it. It's very it, is strange. Is that the one with the full body? Yes, Muppets, that is the one right? with yeah, the full body. terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> and it has Kermit talking on this giant video phone with Mickey Mouse. and. Um, there's a good gag where the electric mayhem are late 
and they crash a monorail into the stage, which is <laughs> which is a good gag, not a gag that would fly after the monorail purple incident. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, there's always tragedy going around that ruins <laughs> humor. So the Here Come the Muppets stage show was set to debut in the summer of 1990. In the TV special, the Muppets go to Walt Disney World. Both were made to prepare the public to get used, of, used to the idea of, of Muppets and Disney being together, with the merger being made official later that year. As previously mentioned, the summer of 1991 would see a dual debut of Muppet Vision 3D on both coasts, as well as massive Muppet-centric promotions. Almost immediately, work started to begin on this new expansion, with restaurants, bathrooms, shops, and Muppet Vision 3D being first for construction. However, only the footage of Muppet Vision had been shot, and everything else was still in creative negotiations between Jim and WDI. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, there, there was that alternate proposal for the uh, Swedish shift cooking kitchen whatever it was um <laughs> i'm the only the one who wrote the show notes right um but uh th- that was the hard lock cafe so i imagine a lot of this was still going through its paces for what this was going to be it's quicker to make stuff for a restaurant than it is for a theme park attraction of course muppet studios was quietly announced and even had signage on display during the studio tour and um you can quickly see it uh, if if you want to go and watch it um go to martin's vids um one of his disney mgm studios videos has the tram rolling by the poster that says muppet studios coming soon this was not something that they were shy about they were actually talking about this Jim Henson was actually talking about this. As you heard in a clip earlier, uh, this was in Disney News Magazine. This was actually talked about on the Disney Channel. They weren't shy about this thing happening. So it was big. It was like big news for the time. It was. It was very big news. So obviously a tragedy has to stop it. And yes, it did. On May 16th, 1991, Jim Henson passed away from a bacterial infection. The world, along with Henson's family and colleagues, were stricken with grief. Very quickly, the rights to Jim's characters fell onto the family, and negotiations between them and Disney quickly went awry. Now six months into construction, activity at Muppet Studios grinded to a halt momentarily. The good news was that Muppet Vision 3D and Here Come the Muppets, which debuted barely a week, just over a week after Jim's death, were greenlit with separate contracts than that of the overall Muppets deal. Jim Henson Productions amicably agreed that to honor Jim, Muppet Vision 3D would see its post-production and overall vision completed. Frank Oz was tapped to lead the film's completion in honor of his friend, only asking Disney for some new socks in exchange. And yes, he got the socks. True story. On the anniversary of Jim's passing, Muppet Vision 3D opened, along with the new area that was going to be Muppet Studios. That's right. Once again, you can actually visit a good portion of Muppet Studios, which was now themed to generic warehouse themes. So the two restaurants were renamed to Mama Melrose Ristorante Italiano, 
Um, have you dined at Mama Melrose, either of you? Sadly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I knew you were probably going to be derisive of it. What's... It's Italian food in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I've only been to the uh, pizza planet, though. I'm fairly certain that was initially something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if you go to Mama Melrose, that establishment was going to be uh, the great Gonzo pizza pandemonium. I, mm. I remember there's like rumors that you could, Oh, you could see like where the tracks were going to be for the ra- <laughs> animatronic rats. I, I don't believe that at all. I mean, I, it, it I looks like a generic were, warehouse. Yeah, you can see I, where they could have done some additional theming in right. there, but I don't, yeah, it's not necessarily like mm. stepping into a, you know, a Muppet restaurant that's rethemed back to Italian. Mm-hmm. I think um, for the most part, the, exteriors were based on the Muppet Studios plans with a lot of de-theming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and that's from what I'm aware of. The, 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 the overall construction is identical to those plans. Um, so the other restaurant was not a restaurant. Um, it was a Rocketeer Gallery, um, which is being rebooted. So yay. Everything's back. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing's original. Uh, (laughs) It was a showcase for movie props for the 1991 uh, movie, The Rocketeer. Soon after, it became the studio showcase. And then eventually, uh, your favorite place in the entire world, Pizza Planet, in 1995. Finally becoming the quick service restaurant was destined to be. Then, in 2017, a miracle occurred. Well, it's kind of a miracle. It depends on how you look at it. And the Muppets finally got their restaurant, replacing Pizza Planet. Pizza Rizzo opened. And yeah, it sure opened. Though many claim that the restaurant being themed to the Muppets was a myth. Myth? Myth. Myth. Yeah. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) the restaurant has quite a few clever Muppet touches and a fun disco room that distract you from the bad pizza. Dorman, you know much, a lot about yeah, that. Yeah, the, the I mean, words "fun disco room" are wearing a lot of pressure right there. Really, how many pizza places do any theme park need? To be honest, it's mm. rat pizza. Yeah, it's rat pizza. It's 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 uh it's the favorite hangout of Alicia Stella. Um, shout out. Uh, the stage one company store or Muppet stuff. That's interesting. I've, I've gotten two different sources on what that shop is called um, did contain sets of Muppet movies and had merchandise. I believe there's the happiness hotel and um, there's one other set and I can't remember what it was. I think it's the nursery from Muppets. Take yeah. Manhattan or something. That, that as far as I can remember. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's closed now. Um, yeah, but sure. Yeah, it, it was the 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 hotel is one of the shops, and yeah, I think you're right about the nursery. You're right, uh, but it was only the only ancillary themed Muppet place besides the adjoining attraction. The space was known unofficially as Muppets Courtyard for a number of years, and even received more Muppets theming with M- Pizza Rizzo as the bathrooms became Gonzo's Plumbing Company based on the 2011 reboot film. Yes, sir. 28,000 tons of plumbers, buddy, from Beijing. Right away, sir. And you? Yes, sir. Send the 28,000 tons of silly buddy back to Beijing. You bet. Oh, and you? Yes, sir. A memo to the waterless toilet department. Yes. I don't care about the mess. Just keep trying. Grand (laughs) Avenue quickly washed away any more hopes of the Muppety theming still left over from when the area was going to be Muppet Studios. 
and that was all scrubbed, including the beautiful, colorful backstage murals and the hot air balloon. And it's funny that hot air balloon with Kermit's face on it that we all know originally was going to have the words Muppet Studios on it. Uh, in 2004, Eisner finally acquired the Muppets, but the promise of the great Muppet movie ride, great Gonzo's pizza pandemonium parlor, and the Swedish chef's video cooking school were lost with Jim Henson. So at this time, we have to ask, what if? Ugh, do we dare ask this question? I mean, this is the podcast so i i guess we have to we have to play god here because muppet studios is only going to exist under one condition and that's jim henson sees a doctor earlier than mm-hmm. he did <laughs> what if jim, christian scientists i know what if jim henson lived past may 1990 and sold the muppets to disney And then we have to completely ignore all the other troublesome, weird questions that would accompany it. Like, we'd probably be in a world without Muppet Treasure Island. That's really sad, but it's like... any of Brian Henson's films. Right. But let's just instead focus on Muppet Studios being a real for real entity. Would Gonzo's Pizza Pandemonium Parlor still operate the Swedish Chef Cooking School? Uh, would we still be able to ride the great Muppet movie ride or would they be ancient? And, and, and when we discuss this, I want you to keep in mind a terrifying thought. The great Muppet movies ride show building would be where galaxy's edge currently is. (laughs) Would we have witnessed one of the most heartbreaking closures since Mr. Toad and uh, Blake, I want your thoughts on this first. Sure. Well, the first thing I made a note of is, for a Swedish chef's restaurant, uh, it has to be themed menus, and the menus have to be Swedish chef speak. Yes. <laughs> so a majority of the time, you don't even know what you're ordering. It's kind of like the uh, itchy and scratchy land. Mm-hmm. Mom, that's <laughs> like, veal. Mom, that's veal. <laughs> I, I, would, I would like it to where every time like they hand you like your silverware, it's like, don't forget your bork, 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 and then they hand you your fork. Uh, people were stealing the borks and putting them oh my god i'm sure you get this is the is the grill under cheese in just a grilled cheese (laughs) (laughs) that's all he'll eat yes (laughs) i don't know it's it's a lot to unpack because i think it's very surreal to think that in a world where Jim Henson lived and this actually got built, that there would have been the same level of fanfare on opening this park that you would have gotten for, you know, Radiator Springs or Galaxy's Edge decades later. Like that could have been there for the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's sad to think about because I think in 1990, you absolutely would have seen that like fervor around it. Whereas if they had like opened a Muppets land in the 2010s, it would have been a little, why is this happening? You know, it's a, who likes the Muppets? Yeah. Because, you know, they have a very vocal fan base, but it is much, much smaller compared to Marvel, Star Wars, mm-hmm. all the big stuff they eventually did accumulate. But mm-hmm. yeah, you didn't I watch think... the TV show. What was that? <laughs> I said, you didn't watch the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> which which I did. I was there. I was there when they filmed it. No one looked happy. <laughs> <laughs> It was just uh, Steve Wetmeyer apparently just yelling at everyone. Mm. This is yeah, what Kermit would do. 
not surprised given how, you know, that relationship ended up going in what, two or three years after the show tanked. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, Dorman, what about you for? Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I question if it was, it's completely necessary that Jim Henson had, you know, lived past 1991 for this to have been built. There, there certainly is a universe where this was after he passed away, the plans were there on the table and WDI or somebody, or I don't know, even the family allowed it to happen. Okay. So so you're, 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 you want to go onto the route of what if the family wasn't as precious with, because the reason why they didn't want to give Disney the characters, because the entire deal was predicated on the fact that Jim would still have creative control over his characters. Now, without that, who's going to control them? There's, there's nobody, there's a void there. And this Disney would get the characters, and what would they do with them? And I think that was a large part of the uh, the the problem. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was that the yeah obviously it was the creative control and having it out of the Henson family and onto some random person. Excuse me, at Disney uh, must have been a big concern. It was also, I think, money is that they were offering significantly less following the passing yeah, the, of Henson. Right, exactly, right. that was also another Be- thing. Because they wanted right. Jim with it. It wasn't just the yeah. Muppets. It was getting Jim. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I mean, as we've seen in the past, wow, geez, I guess 30 years, yeah. <laughs> um, the Muppets without Jim Henson is kind of yeah. meandering. Uh, nobody's been able to really capitalize on the, mm-hmm. the property in a very long time. I mean, um, his voice is like literally in half the characters. So like exactly. he is the voice of the Muppets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and especially his sense of humor, it's so deeply ingrained into it like you know you you always i mean you guys know a bit more about muppets and history stuff than i do but uh, even as a, a bit of a layman in that regard you can tell that the the friendship between oz and, and henson is what makes those yeah. characters uh, mm-hmm. the personal relationship so assuming let's hypothetically say right that the muppets proceed as they do um but disney is allowed to make this land as it is. Well, number one, in that case, it would be unlikely there would ever be additions onto the land because of how of how unlikely mm-hmm. uh, it would be that they would put more time into this. Right. Um, but as a as an attraction, you know, if the Muppets did continue and go on and make a bunch of films like the Muppet, uh, what was it, Wizard of Oz, and Oh boy! Uh, please, 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 please. Sorry, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, 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 I know. Please, of anything, please do not mention that film. <laughs> well, it, it not that... yet on Disney Plus, by the way. Really? No, yeah, it's not. No, they, they, the, the, allegedly, the Muppet Studio hates it. They hate that. Film. I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because you'd imagine, I mean, obviously The Wizard of Oz was in The Great Movie Ride, but I think that as time went on, just like The Great Movie Ride fell out of favor uh, with audiences because these movies were not popular or or modern, I guess I should say, uh, because, I mean, they were good movies. I think similar things would happen here Mm -hmm. where the Muppets work in this really weird middle ground as the goal is to make them look like they're washed up you know, messy performers who come from a different age of performing. And yet, as years pass, they just become characters from a different age of movies and performing. So mm-hmm. I don't think 
that uh, the premise of the attraction would hold up very well in time, as we saw with the great movie ride. Well, I guess I'll, I'll counter-argue on that, is I think if it's the Muppets, it might have been able to linger a little longer than the actual great movie ride, because when hmm. the other ride mentioned Dr. Zhivago, which, you know, is if you look at any box office records before inflation it's like always up there at the top but i feel like like no one number eight or something like that yeah like it was huge but like it has like no permanence like no one talks about it there's i feel very i don't know little presence among like millennials uh gen z who know Mm. this movie is but like if you're seeing muppet characters who are just like in funny costumes doing funny things you're still laughing at that even if you have no idea what movie they're referencing that's true. Versus seeing it played for straight in the mm-hmm. traditional movie ride. Yeah, that's a good plus, point. Because even lo- if you don't, yeah. Plus, yeah. a lot of the parodies that they were going for were largely well-known pastes and like stuff that that's mostly in the public domain. I believe Peter Pan's in the public domain. And yes, you know the Disney film is pretty interconnected. I mean, if you. If you go to Walt Disney World, you've definitely ridden Peter Pan sometime during your time. But, you know, Frankenstein, everybody knows Frankenstein. Uh, And you have like a general Western scene. And then, of course, Pigs in Space. But that's also a spoof that's trailing off of Star Trek as well as Star Wars. So these Mm. are these very easy to get very easy to pull items rather than the great movie ride which let's be honest the the first thing the first movies that generally the uh gen z or the um, even the millennials would probably get when they're in the attraction would be during the end uh montage scene when they would actually show new films that they've recognized and it's not just uh you doorman just yawn it's like i've seen that film <laughs> it's it's the turner classic movies they, they, <laughs> they ruined my day i th- that's so that that's absolutely that makes sense a lot of these things are mainstays though i would I, because the muppets are more lighthearted characters and they may appeal more to younger audiences simply seeing fozzy bear with a, a current running through his body might be more interesting than just a john wayne animatronic so so absolutely that that totally does make sense. I wonder the Muppets. I mean, uh, obviously we don't need to go too deep into what the Muppets are as like a cultural institution. But even as Jim, uh, around when Jim Henson passed away, the things that the Muppet brand was doing was not necessarily as popular as it had once been, mm-hmm. and it only has continued to be a bit conflicted with the well with with what it was originally popularized as. I, I don't think though, Ryan, that Galaxy's Edge would have been made had <laughs> this thing been built. Really? Uh, okay, be... okay, go ahead. I wanna I wanna hear your opinion. Well, more so because if you have a full fledged attraction, okay. I think that Galaxy's Edge, at least in its current form, likely wouldn't be here or wouldn't be here. Because number one, ripping out a full attraction is is incredibly difficult, assuming it lived that long. Uh, but number two, I don't necessarily know if there would be as big of a demand to Hollywood studios as there was at the time in the absence of a full-fledged dark ride like this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, you know, because basically what we're looking at here, though the property may not be as popular, uh, is uh, uh, the, toy, the, the rough equivalent to Toy Story Land and in the mm-hmm. Muppet Studios, something for younger audiences right. okay. um, yeah. who... When before Toy Story Land, there was quite literally nothing for yeah, a little kid right. to do 
in Hollywood Studios. Now, if you add a Muppet Star Cried and a Swedish Chef thing and you know, perhaps another expansion here, mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood Studios would be a completely different park. And I know you mentioned at the beginning of the show that it was intended as a small, I think you said a half day ticket yeah um, that, that's... with the longer back uh, well when it had the longer two hour back right and tour, and right? you remember what the plan was it was like this whole thing where the 1989 was this kind of strange weird experiment where they made three half day experiences which was mm-hmm. uh typhoon lagoon Disney MGM Studios and Pleasure Island. Mm-hmm. So the idea was that um, you would go to um, Disney MGM Studios or Typhoon Lagoon in the day, or, and then you would go to either Pleasure Island or Disney MGM Studios at the night. Well, I, I want to ask the both of you a question. Uh, if So right now, the probably, honestly, one of the most popular things that people still actively engage with with the Muppets is Muppet Vision 3D. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you can go into the backlog of Muppet stuff, and of course Muppet shows added to Disney+, Plus. but Muppet Vision 3D is in one of the most popular vacation destinations in the world, and it's routinely an easy access to air conditioning. So it's mm-hmm. it's still relatively popular. Do you think that, number one, do you think that Muppet Vision 3D is uh, one of the few things keeping the Muppets in the common conversation uh, but more importantly, though, do you think that this Muppets land, had it have been completed, would have changed the way that most audiences see the Muppets as less than a, a I guess, a modern sideshow and more something that's very popular? That's, that, that is an interesting question because because I, it, it's very hard for my mind not to take out the fact that we would be living in such a different universe no matter right. what. If this land got made, I know mm-hmm. you were saying, what if Jim Henson died and then the family agreed to sell the characters to Disney or reached a deal that would still be a tremendous, tremendously different thing because right, it wouldn't be Jim's Muppets. Well, not only that, but remember that this, the, the, the Muppet Studios idea and concept was not being done by just Imagineering. It was also be done by Jim Henson. So you mm. just sucked out that creative void. You know, are they going to build exactly what they had down on the page on May 15th, 1990? Or are they going to fiddle with some things? Or, you know, you have to consider what are they going to do that would irrevocably change this. But that and the fact that if Disney owns the Muppets then what happens to the Muppets? And, and mm. it's, 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 it's interesting to consider this because ironically, a lot of the things that the Muppets were involved in in the 1990s were with Disney, um, but they were this kind of like this weird distribution deal. Right. Where, yeah. They, 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 like they, they uh, distributed um, Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island and uh, ABC did Muppets Tonight. Mm. And the question is, w- would those projects still be the same if Disney owned the Muppets? It's That's just a very hard question to really grapple mm. with on what would the audience, like, wh- would this 
you know, help with this, you know, change things. And it's like, I don't know, because I don't know the environment <laughs> that would lead to this. It's just, it's, it's like opening a can of worms. I'm telling you. That is what, if you could snap, what if you could snap and it was there today? Do you think okay. then maybe that's a better question? Like if you could snap and it was there today, would this revitalize? It would it, like it just Muppets. it appeared out of an ether. Uh, yeah, sure. Like like as in like the now guests had access to a full Muppet land, given what we currently how people currently think of the property. W- would such a uh, sufficient support from a company like Disney at this point in time be enough to make the Muppets more than a, if, you know, a bit of a historical piece? If they went full tilt and sold merch, <laughs> and I, I think that's a very important thing. People do not know how important merchandise is mm. to a franchise. And I'm speaking straight to you, Disney, because you know you do not merchandise a lot of things and you should be merchandising because that is brand awareness out into the world. Uh, Somebody's mad about the owl house. Oh my it. gosh! Okay. <laughs> yes, um, but it, it is brand awareness on another level, and and I am also talking about the Muppets as well because mm-hmm. I believe that the fact that Disney has shied away from merchandising the Muppets so much has also hurt it. The more Muppets merchandise there is in the world and the more Muppets stuff that there is for people to wear and people to show off and people to display. That that raises brand awareness. So yes, I think if there was enough merchandise, I think that would help. Hmm. See, I me, mean, I think it's I don't know. In terms of a media presence, like if it really were to show up overnight, uh, let's say we go to sleep tomorrow. There's this Muppets Land at MGM. You can go there. I just the last one in theaters was a uh, Most Wanted, which is you know seven coming up on eight years ago. There's an entire generation of kids who have been born since then. Yeah. And if they haven't seen a Muppet movie in theaters, you know, there's so many things they can watch on Disney Plus. I doubt they've been mm. watching Muppets Now or any well, of the older stuff without their parents, you know, forcing them to. Right. They probably don't, would not have much of an idea of who these characters are. Yeah. Well, don't forget that Muppet Babies. I mean, this is a non sec or a little. Uh, no, that's uh, true. Thing, yeah. I know Muppet Babies yeah. is very popular. It is yeah. very popular. Um, but that's also a problem because when. When your most popular thing is a junior brand, it's things yeah. that kids don't necessarily look back on fondly. Hmm. And and the only thing, ironically, the only thing that seems to have transcended that is Sesame Street. That seems to be the only like preschooler property that people will look back on nostalgically. Well, again, and also this experience is you know vastly different from the Muppet Babies. Yeah. So like, let's say kids like, oh, the Muppets are here. They're wondering where's uh, the baby versions of these characters. Mm-hmm. They're just seeing the ones that we know yeah. as, you know, older audiences, the ones who right. are more vaudevillian, more kind of a slapstick, a drier humor. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I think they've kind of been too all over the place to really bring back their like a uh, longevity mm-hmm. at this point in time, at least. It's confusing because WDI, WDI, if I'm correct, is in control of the Muppets now, right? Yes, that is a very strange thing. And that's why Muppets Haunted Mansion is happening. Because Mm. WDI apparently has control of them. 
<laughs> it, it, it's so it's but it's it's weird it's like because it's it's within the disney's experiences parks and products but mm. uh it's within the walt disney imaginary wing that the muppet studios currently be given their budget <laughs> so it's um, so odd it is such an odd thing so yeah that's that's why muppets haunted mansion is happening which well, I'm maybe we'll get a, an overlay, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw uh, the Muppets in the park. If I can like unpack another what if scenarios, a lot of the mm-hmm. professional relationship would have relied on the dynamic between Jim Henson and Michael Eisner. Yes, that too. And for those who don't know, there was kind of a something of a tension between the two because Michael Eisner really wanted Sesame Street characters. Yeah, he could with the deal that. with Jim Henson, and that was a point of contention between them back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, if you've read a, oh, I'll just go ahead. Yeah, if, I, I believe Eisner finally gave up on that. If I'm yeah, correctly. yeah. I just don't like in the Jim Henson biopic, which is you know great if you're a Muppet fan. Definitely recommend it. They like just go to lunches all the time, and things would be cordial and friendly. And then Michael Eisner just brings up Sesame Street, and you know Jim just goes, "Oh, there you go again with that," and it kind of falls apart. So I kind of can't help but wonder, if not for Sesame Street, what else might have shown up in their relationship continuing to work together mm-hmm. which which biopic is this uh it was the one written by brian j jones it came mm-hmm. out like uh some seven or eight years ago but it's okay. just called jim henson or henson but it's fantastic oh good okay yeah i mean i obviously see that's the thing that often people neglect with eisner is that if you go on twitter right you'll see enough people who say that eisner was this big creative supporting kind of guy mm-hmm. um but you're right you, you would increase there'd be tension and obviously that's a bad way to start is some light tension like that so had henson continued to have worked with eisner it's not certain whether he would have been able to complete the project as he would have wanted especially because well so if the the project was would to have been completed right by 92 93 was that the uh, yeah goal? so or? the um, muppet movie ride would have opened in 1993 with okay. the uh two restaurants and the muppet vision show opening in 1991 yeah see i think that obviously this would come at a time where because it's around the time of, of euro disney and mm-hmm. and things like that eisner would have been more I think okay with spending a bit more money on it mm-hmm. than if he was much later in his yeah. tenure, i.e. 2004 when they mm-hmm. finally purchased finally it, yeah. the Muppets, which is one of the things if you, you throw in the other what if scenario, scenario, excuse me, is that yes, Jim Henson may have been in creative control, but the company was just ready to get into the budgetary control. Mm-hmm. With things like that, especially into the later 90s and early 2000. Mm-hmm. So what we look at with concept art now is unrestrained yeah. <laughs> Henson and WDI. That's true. Um, especially with what we know Hollywood Studio, well, MGM slash Hollywood Studios became around that time. It, 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 perhaps it would almost be a disservice to have it actually built because uh, concessions is not necessarily something that... Um, the Muppets brand was ever good with and when it you know would ever have to lose something for some reason it always felt a bit empty right well that's the thing this can't be just like a rinky dink dark ride this has Mm -hmm. to be a really spectacular ride 
Now, it was it was not meant to be quite on the scale, obviously, of the great movie ride. There was no live actors, tour guides, and you certainly didn't have the quite the scale of it. It was supposed to be like maybe half the size, probably. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, on the same foot, I think that they wanted this to be the star attraction of the land. So it has to be more impressive than Muppet Vision 3D. Which even to this day, the the future is a bit iffy on Muppet Vision 3D. So it's true. They do have that mark in there for a long time. There's been some doubts in the past, but it always kind of makes it through. Yeah. The obviously it didn't live in, in DCA. Um, yeah. And in Hollywood studios, uh, the it's jarring because everyone remember well at least i remember <laughs> most people remember probably the old muppet vision sign mm-hmm. uh with with kermit and the yeah. the, the big flashy <laughs> title and now yeah. it's simply just a, a theater like it just says Grand uh, yeah, the, the marquee, exactly right, which people speculate that's so they could easily switch it out at any moment and again mm-hmm. walt disney imagineering has control of the Muppets. So really think right. about that. Does really Walt Disney Imagineering, who has control of this property, want to take out the only attraction that is represented in their parks? And I think that's where the tension comes from. Muppets Mobile. It would essentially be admitting defeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, as. I don't necessarily know if uh, what what's that? Oh, Muppets Now. That's what it is. Muppets um, Now, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Muppets Now and Muppets Haunted Mansion are enough to to maintain public interest. The, I mean, the even one thing, in, uh, trying to think back to like 1990, I think the most recent movie was Takes Manhattan. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. like even among Muppet fans isn't like their top choice. Like I think that was kind of the faltering title yeah, at that I'm, point. I am not a huge fan of what takes Manhattan. Is that jog my? Is that the one that Oz directed? Or yeah, it's the one that Oz I, directed. I, I personally, there's some great things about it, but it has it, uh, compared to Muppet Caper and Muppet Movie, it has a yeah. very loose script. Like it's, I just don't think it's that funny to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's not funny. It doesn't have the clever. It doesn't have the clever jokes as much. And the plotting is extremely loose. And I, um, I blame it for revealing out the the Muppet Babies, although that was a big moneymaker. So it really <laughs> yeah. helped Jim, but like I just I cannot stand that scene. But the reason why Frank Oz, I know this is a tangent. The reason why Frank Oz uh, directed it because Jim Henson was focused on. I can't remember if it was the Labyrinth or the Dark Crystal. It was one of those two that he was super focused on. And he was like, ah, I mean, I'll be there, but I'm not really caring about this. So I don't think he had like much input on the script. And you could definitely feel that in, within the film itself. It's no Indian in the cupboard, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like another point is if Henson were still alive and he does complete this deal, I think he was at a point where he wanted to try new things and experiment mm-hmm. and move forward with technology that it's kind of dubious just how involved he would be with the Muppets themselves mm-hmm. from that point forward. Wait, that's um, a good point because that's something Disney fans often do with Walt and, for example, Walt and Epcot and stuff like that. Is yeah. people ask like what what everything what the parks would have looked like had Walt you know had lived. Um, 
But at the time, he was looking to move on to other things. Yeah, he probably weren't wouldn't necessarily theme parks. Yeah, he, he was, no, was, I mean, yeah. he'd be, oh my god, I'm alive. Like, I guess. What? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, I, yeah, hug yeah. his wife and kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he would have proceeded with Epcot and the Magic Kingdom would have been sort of the afterthought thing that would be mostly worked on by the Imagineers. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, how'd the Magic, Magic Kingdom be if Walt stayed alive? It's like pretty much the same. I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> and so that's the same thing, I guess, about, about Henson is that uh, you're right. He would probably want to get more involved with the technical stuff. So, I mean, maybe that, he would be involved, yeah. but he might pass it off to Disney a bit. That um, is true, but... From all accounts, doing the research, he was very involved with the with with the writing and the mm-hmm. design of this ride as they were making it. He was he was he was involved pretty heavily. Okay. Um, and I believe that if the deal was made, it, the the ride would probably be finalized shortly afterwards, probably within mm-hmm. 1991, uh, because the build would have most likely been two years. Um, for this ride, so I, I could definitely, I did definitely see this being probably one of Jim's last full-throated efforts on yeah. Muppets as well. You know, like what a project to go out on before kind mm-hmm. of making your peace with them. Right, that happened exactly. I mean, I, yeah, I, we always have to consider that concept art is not necessarily going to be what it was. Like. I, I don't know if they could have done the Statler and Waldorf ride a golf cart beside you back then. Mm. They, they had the Br'er Rabbit thing in 1992 and Splash Mountain, which was an impressive animatronic, but always broke. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if they could have had that. But uh, also some of the, I mean, one of the animatronics was Miss Piggy flying around on a wire. That's well, nothing is. I imagine it would be very hard to like make really good animatronics that look like puppets and move like puppets. Like and the ones in a Muppet vision, like Saturn and Walter for kind of behind a balcony. So there's kind of a cheat there, but if they're like yeah. out in the open, that's a lot right. of work. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, like mm-hmm. with like bean bunny, like as uh kind of uh you, you have it up on a balcony, the, the penguins work, but that's because they're penguins and mm-hmm. the beaks are very easy for manipulation, so it's very easy to see. Um, the Swedish chef animatronic is awkward. Uh, I will admit to that. Um, if you've ever looked at the Swedish chef animatronic, it is very kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at least they look good. They look decent. I think that uh, also the fact is that these Except for Statler and Waldorf, they probably wouldn't be full, like fully like articulated ones, like probably kind of doing that repetitive motion kind of deal, like on any old school Epcot dark ride, like, you mm. know, Spaceship Earth or Horizons or something like that, but kind of going for motions. It's difficult because obviously uh, around that time, uh, Muppet Studios was, uh, what was it? They were experimenting with the puppetry at a distance. Right, because yeah. there was you can watch documentaries, and then at the end of Muppet Vision, you get a nice glimpse of that with Kermit on the fire truck. Yes, um, which was that, a, I believe that was a remote um, puppet. 
Well, it's probably one of the ones where he has the the mouth at yeah, a distance, mouth. right? Where you put yeah. your arm through the mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that looks rough. So that one, even nowadays, looks very very rough. Uh, yeah. At least maybe too maybe because I've seen it so much, but I don't think so. Mm. I think it just looks rough. So it's very difficult, clearly, to get these Muppets working in physical space without mm-hmm. using a camera trick. Mm-hmm. Puppetry is hard. I mean, it's easy back in the old days. You have like a little a little plate you stand in front of. Nobody can see you puppeting, but uh, you know, clearly with the Muppets show, the one that they did, what's a Here Come the Muppets? I don't remember the name. Already. Yeah, Here Come the Muppets. Uh, Here Come the Muppets. I'm surprised I remembered the name already. Um, <laughs> and there they uh, go. Well, Here Come the <laughs> with, with that, it was you have to translate these puppets into performers. And it looks weird because they have to be full size. With animatronics, you have a lot of machinery going inside. And if you do manage to get the machinery working, then you have to operate around the fact that felt is very light and it it bends around the hand, whereas the actual mechanics are very stiff and you get something that doesn't look quite right. So I do wonder actually how well puppets would translate to a animatronic. I don't, I mean, maybe there's another ride that does it that I haven't thought about. uh, well, they did figure it out at least to look decent for Muppet Vision. I mean, the the way that the animatronics move in Muppet Vision aren't mm-hmm. terrific, but I think they look good. I think for ones like the penguin, I mean, the penguins are very like thick, full bodies. It yeah. almost seems so that one's very mm-hmm. good. But for ones like I'd say, like Kermit's the best example, who obviously the original puppet was no more than a sock puppet pretty much. Yeah. And it evolved, but it kind of kept that similar. It, mm-hmm. His, his face is just a hand. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see it. it. It'd be very difficult to try to get that into the attraction. I guess some of the star Wars stuff. Um, I know that they sold the really cheap monkey lizards at galaxy's edge and stuff yeah. like that. The things that used to be puppets in the films mm-hmm. um, look pretty decent in person and made to be a bit more mechanical. You can kind of capture it a little bit. Um, but I just, yeah, I just wonder if they would look like Muppets, uh, yeah. rather they would just look like Kermit. Like, cause you wouldn't watch an animated Kermit. Well, I guess yeah. that's Muppet babies, well, but there's, still. <laughs> there's also the great fact that the Muppets in all of these scenes are dressed in costumes. True. Very so true. you're not seeing, except for there's one exception, which is the Fozzie, the Fozzie animatronic when he's like being electrocuted, that's mm-hmm. definitely full body Fozzie. Um, but I don't think it would have moved that much. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But mm. most of these are the Muppets in costumes. So that would have helped, I think, a lot towards this. But uh, also what I wanted to talk about is the the, the two restaurants, which I feel is mm. interesting. As as we said earlier, the the Gonzo's Pizza Pandemonium Parlor, there's a lot going on there. And um, Blake, you brought up a great point that the fact that like the kitchen would explode, that's probably a joke that would not fly. I would actually not say 9-11. I would actually go back as far as 1993 with the World Trade Center bomb. Oh, right. The first floor. Yes. I think that would have been immediately, okay, we're not doing that effect anymore. <laughs> That's true. I, I think that would have been restricted, but the, it, there's a lot of like tug and pull of, 
oh, we would have video screens or we would have animatronic rats. And you're kind of like talking to Imagineering. And you go, just pick one. You can only have one. <laughs> you can't have it all. Um, and I think that they would have ultimately gone. This is the one thing I'm pretty certain of. I don't think the animatronic rats lowering a pizza to you would have stayed. I think they, they would have, have ever started. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think don't know they the lowering, but like they do make me think of the one they have for Remy uh, from Ratatouille. Yeah, like they, a very primitive version of that, where they're not like yeah doing anything beyond like being tethered to a cart or something that can be pushed or wheeled out. Mm-hmm. But I think even in like the early nineties, the, the technology for that could have been there. Mm-hmm. I I think that they would have opted to do the video screens and then the the you know the kitchen door blowing open which would have been quickly turned off but the fact is i think with like the video screens suddenly it's like a it's supposed to be a sit-down restaurant on the level of sci-fi and prime time and once you lose the rats it's it's very hard to find a reason why to choose that place Mm -hmm. i don't know dorming you're you you like the restaurants what do you what is your opinion on this what is that supposed to mean uh, <laughs> uh i think that yeah I, I, this i was something i was gonna uh i was thinking about before a little bit was with this one i wonder i can't i'm trying to do my best to think about it but the best in terms of theme dining in 1990 mm-hmm. in walt disney world would have been now correct me if i'm wrong but this would have been at least at WDW, the beer garden, and I guess uh-huh. when did Sci-Fi open? Did Sci-Fi that open with... opened in nineteen ninety-two, ninety-three. Okay, or... so I mean we can count that in, I guess, because it would have been there around the time. But I don't, uh, I can't think of anything else that would have been hyper-themed dining in the way that, say, Blue Bayou was well, in Prime Disneyland. Time. Prime Time was there from the start. Oh yeah, but. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. So that's a good point. So I guess what what's interesting, though, is that these would have been, and again, pardon if I'm forgetting anything, but these would have been the most advanced dining experiences in the Disney parks. Because even primetime sci-fi and everything else were, were, were properly themed, but they were not necessarily experiences in the way that more contemporary ones might be, mm-hmm. um, like, say, Adventures Club or Trader Sam's or even... Will be our guests, right? Um, but especially Space Two Twenty, right? Which is the yeah. next one that's that's opening up soon. Did uh, you know it's and the idea, by the way, Space Two Twenty? It's it's oh duh. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gonna it's, be like a hundred dollars a person. It's gonna be a nightmare. I heard it's going <laughs> to be ninety for dinner, seventy for lunch. Whoa, jeez, mm-hmm. whoa, that's an wow. Wow, $180 for two people? Well, no, $200 plus tip or whatever. Yeah. And I'm guessing you, it's supposed to be a wine cellar, so I guess you can only get one glass of wine. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Interesting. Um, Wow, that's that's $30 more than Be Our Guest and like $20 more than Blue Zoo at Mm -hmm. uh, Dolphin. Well, anyways, maybe not. Maybe this is a mistake with the Muppets and Disney should just close down. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, No, no. uh, But this would have been, uh, especially for Hollywood Studios, I think it would have been incredibly impressive to get in on the ground floor of theme dining. Now, Mm -hmm. in my mind, for the Gonzo one, I don't see how it would be pragmatically when the if it did open right i don't think it would be much different than if you've ever been to like a revolving sushi or something like place where you could make an order and then it gets delivered to you on some kind of a, a conveyor belt system yeah mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think, yeah, the it would have been interesting to have the rats deliver it from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there definitely are workarounds. I think that it, if as long as they don't abandon that, it yeah. would have been a really, really cool mm-hmm. addition. I'm not quite sure. Jog, my, explain a little bit more about Swedish Chef. It, it was quick service. Was that what yeah, it was? It was quick or service. was it like a? So you went okay. in. Okay, it was quick yeah. service, and you're so you know it's your general. Do you have the cashiers? And remember, this right. is this is 1991. It's not mobile order. Um, <laughs> so there's there's many cashier booths, and there's a big screen, and obviously you would think flat screens today but if you've if you ever been if you ever i can't say if you ever been if you ever seen the pan galactic pizza port at uh what is it um uh, oh, it's so, with Tony, Tony, Tony Solaroni. Salami, Tony Solaroni. Tony Solaroni. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, which, and, uh, but just forget the animatronic, but there's a giant screen there <laughs> and you would see the giant screen and then there would be the Swedish chef, you know, teaching you how to cook and things would go wrong and it'd be funny and you would watch it in line mm-hmm. and then you would go up to the cashier and you would order and you would go back into the dining area and there would be CRTs located above tables that would mm-hmm. also show the videos see that's that's neat because it almost you would almost get the impression from the name that it would be a paid experience or something like that mm-hmm. um obviously not i think that that one is a, a bit more confusing at least to me uh, what what if that would have happened but again it can't be worse than pizza rizzo right so having these the these two very energetic and immersive restaurants i think that seems really cool i think that those those would number one be the most likely to be built great muppet movie ride seems very unlikely right but um Hmm. well uh, the the two restaurants the muppet studios that the uh, the whole idea was that it was going to be this attraction and yeah Jim loved the idea of, oh my God, I could do something that's never been done before. I could make mm. a parody of other rides in the land. And, and that was the idea. This was going to be the first ever mm. parody attraction. Well, I don't know. What, what do you what do you guys think? Do you think people would be so drawn to eat at a place because it's the Muppets? Or is this like a new breakthrough uh, dining experience? I think that I if you have like little kids, it's kind of a... You're feeding them and they're entertained at the same time. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. If yeah. like things are always going on in the background, there's that element to it. N- now, yeah, it's like the Simpsons stuff. Now, Dorman, I have a question. How popular is Mama oh. Melrose? Okay. So, well, that's a good question. Um, how popular is Mama Melrose? Every time I've ever been there, there has been a pretty significant line out the front. Okay. And it's not easy to get a reservation i've only been to eat there once um but anytime you walk out of muppet vision it's very common for you to see mama melrose packed packed yeah i mean at the time most of the time i've been right is before galaxy's edge yeah so at the time what was your dining option sci-fi which was gone a long time and then mm-hmm. you know uh what's it called uh prime time but yeah mama melrose is certainly one of the more popular i'd say options at yeah. uh, hollywood studios so here's my opinion and i i'm gonna be honest with you okay so remember we were talking about the alternate idea for the swedish chef restaurant mm. which was the hard luck cafe right here's my opinion 
uh, I guess more of a theory. I think that they were floating that idea because they thought that nobody would go into a restaurant called the Swedish chef's cooking school. Funny. You think the word Swedish, but Swedish would turn off for a kid friendly land. Whereas the hard luck cafe would most likely attract more people because again, very funny idea. However, it, doesn't translate to tourist because the whole idea is that tourist see cafe ooh hamburger then they see Mm -hmm. swedish chef cooking swedish (laughs) swedish meatballs my kid is not gonna eat meatballs bye-bye well see that's the that's the big problem that the muppets thing would have is that to somebody like it's someone like the the three of us you see the name swedish chef and it's iconic Boom. Mm. I know exactly what it is. But it's this interesting divide where if you're even slightly aware of it, you know exactly what it means. But if you've never seen it before or you're just not that familiar, you're right. I mean, just like people flocked right away from Skipper's Canteen for like months before they changed the menu Mm. there uh, and a bunch of other things. The word word Swedish might have been a bit of an issue. Just too much. Right, and especially if you say the extent of the entertainment was going to be a television screen and stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. I think the Hard Luck Cafe would not have had a problem. Frankly, they could have had a cool, like, Sunny Eclipse style thing going on there. So oh my perhaps. god! Could you imagine that? <laughs> could you imagine that if there was a full animatronic Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem? Yeah, can you right picture that? there? Can you picture that? Can you picture that? <laughs> just just i would never leave i just would never leave <laughs> i'd just be there you know from day from from rope drop to closing i'll just be there watching them going on their set <laughs> that, that's your trader sam's is, uh, <laughs> the hard luck cafe mm-hmm. uh, okay so I, I i think we've gone on to the what ifs for enough but when we have to ask the question now do we want to build it or not? Uh, Blake, uh, you first. I mean, I'm extremely biased just as a huge fan of both the Muppets and Jim Henson's work. Like, I mean, if it were up to me calling the shots, I would build it in a heartbeat just to be able to immerse myself in more Muppets and I guess like a lingering mainstay of what Jim could have given us. Like, okay, this is pretty much it for what Jim Henson's going to do for the Muppets. And I want as much of that as I still can before he kind of goes off to do other things. But in terms of like the park's history, I think beyond the first few years, it probably would have fizzled very fast compared to other parts of the resort. I don't know if it could have really maintained the hype or the demand or the excitement over a long term. And, you know, certainly if this is a world where they're still buying things like Marvel and Star Wars, as soon as those came into the picture, the Muppets would definitely be kind of the redheaded stepchild more so than they already are mm-hmm. but uh doorman okay i guess piece by piece i think the gonzo's pizza pandemonium parlor would even still be a a great addition today um if it, if they, i mean if, if it could be built today absolutely i think it would also have been something a great addition to the park then i think it's a no-brainer there's no real negative especially with the pizza that's there now um swedish chef or hard luck is something that Ignoring the the tourist thing, I, I don't necessarily know how much it adds. 
uh, even to the theming with the Gonzo's uh, pizza pandemonium. Um, but the one that I think is the most interesting is the great Muppet movie ride. Oh, yeah. I'm a bit, yeah. well, I'm a, I'm a bit hard pressed whether what my answer would be there, because on one hand, it's a brilliant idea and the concept art's great and what it means as what could have potentially been Jim's final project with the Muppets or at least something that he was almost concluding an arc of his of his story on would have been great. But on the, on the other hand, uh, would it have lived up to the expectations of a Muppet ride? And I guess more importantly, uh, I've been thinking about something you guys mentioned. Would the heartbreak be worth it? Because obviously they did close all of the back lot and the, mm-hmm. what was it? The road of America. I'm sorry. The what streets, the name of, the streets of America. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So would it be something that would last in today? Maybe not. And with that, it probably would have closed. I don't know if I could have handled that. (laughs) So I think maybe not on that one. It almost sounds like a better idea and a piece of history than if it were to be actually realized and limited by physical reality. But certainly the the pandemonium. Could you imagine if uh, the great Muppet movie ride was closed for lights, motor, and action? Oh, Oh, what a downgrade that would be. I think people would be up in arms over that. I'm just imagining the years of adults wearing Great Muppet Movie Ride t-shirts in protest every time they go to the parks. They do a a sit-in like they did at Mr. Toad. Uh, You had to be there. Uh, Well, alternative history, Ryan, uh, New Zealand does a lights motor action show. So, you know, what is that? All right. A lot of explosions. All right. A lot of planes and fish. Or the, the exploding guy. What's his name? Crazy. Anyone know that? Oh gosh, crazy Harry, I think, or something like that. Yeah, I want to oh. say there's Harry somewhere. Yeah, in there. <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, New Zealand's lights, motors, action. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with. It's just a lot of you know fish and some explosions, and that's it. Uh, but okay, um, <laughs> what I hey, speaking think- of merch, uh, yeah? boomerang fish. Yes, yes, there we go. Smart, smart. Uh, why, it's a shame why there's no Muppets merch now. I'm going to go to the yeah. eBay and search for boomerang fish. Please. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to show up like one day of boomerang fish. You know, it's like, what? what is that? You know, New Zealand? No. <laughs> no. It's like this obscure Muppets character. Okay. Take so in a stretcher. <laughs> He's real. <laughs> for the land. Uh, for the past three episodes of this show, I have said for each of these, like pretty much no, 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 no. This is the first time I'm going to say yes, I would absolutely want this built. Now, you guys make great points. Would it be worth the heartbreak of this being away or being taken away? And personally, I say yes. Because mm. it would have mm. existed. There would yeah. be footage of this existing. And it, if it lasted as long as it did, it would be really good footage of its existing. And I would have probably have written it. So, yes, I absolutely do. Um, a lot of people say it's like, well, it's not. It's better to have loved than not loved at all. And that's, that's mm. what I'm saying for this. Um, I think that... The entirety of the Muppet, Great Muppet Movie Ride, 100%. I, it's such a great idea. Like, 
Nobody has ever done this before. It's a parody attraction, a parody attraction of another ride that's in the same park. Don't think I've ever heard that idea before. Never seen that that idea implemented. It is a brilliant idea. The Great Gonzo Pizza Pandemonium Parlor, I think they would eventually have chosen a road to go with it. And I'm sure whatever road that is would be great. The Swedish Chef Cooking School, I'm not a big fan of Swedish food. And mm. I love the idea. I know it's not at all. This is 100% something we just speculated and made up. So I don't know if Imagineering ever considered it, but the idea of an animatronic Dr. T for the Electric Mayhem, the possibility of it, the pure, pure possibility means, yes, please, the Hard Luck Cafe over the Swedish Chef Cooking School. I can nowadays watch Swedish Chef videos on YouTube, um, but uh, mm-hmm. animatronic Electric Mayhem, yes, please. Uh, even if it lasted two years and then was replaced by freaking Pizza Planet, because God Toy Story <sighs> was more popular than God, mm. would be worth it because we could say there was an animatronic Dr. T from the Electric Mayhem with an animatronic animal going crazy on the drums. Heck yes. So, yeah, I'm 100% build it. Build like a Chuck E. Cheese. Muppet Studios. Yes. And exactly. you know, there's there's worse forms of heartbreak than losing your favorite ride because your favorite ride could get an Incredibles overlay that is incredibly oh. cheap looking. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The wound is still open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never went away. Yeah. Or, you, you know, you could just have throw a bunch of old rides up there and just retheme it to a property that deserves more. You know, I miss California Scream. Or, you know, uh. Pixar wheel that doesn't make any sense because it has a Mickey Mouse on it. There's a lot of oh, weird yeah. things out there that we we still have to get over. So yeah, I doubt that. Could you imagine the Muppet movie ride that they um that they decided okay, well we're gonna keep it, but we're gonna retheme it, and it's just like all like Piggy Gonzo Kermit is the Avengers or something like that. I mean, honestly, I don't. I wouldn't doubt that. I was gonna say that before. Is that if it had been along, I don't think it would have. I mean, like, there's a. I guess TCM was still sponsoring the Great Movie Ride ride or whatever, but the Muppets as a Disney property. I mean, synergy in the early two thousands. It wouldn't be the Avengers though. It'd be like Brother Bear, and then it would get shut down. (laughs) Brother Bear. (laughs) The pirates movies. Yeah, oh, we yeah, have the, the Tron poster out front of Muppet Vision right now. So mm-hmm. you remember that? Um, w- uh, yeah, there was um, wasn't one of them Beak E like Wally, but Beaker. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then Prawn, and then Prawn is the Tron Legacy one, and then High School Musical oh, is the, the final. It's one, just amazing how they're it. like already super dated. Oh, they look awful too. Yeah, it's like a it's a screen. It just looks like a mess. Oof, yikes. <laughs> well, okay. I think that about does it for our show today. Um, thank you so much, Blake. This was a blast. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to uh uh do this again with you. We'll figure some way to get you back out on the show. 
Um, so in the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at Unbuilt Pod. You can catch me at, at Open Mother's Mail, Blake Rourke at, at Neil Nevins, and Ryan Dorman at, at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor, or wherever you find this podcast. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing. And if you don't like us, thank you for listening to Channel KRT. I'm Tyler Green. We'll see you here next time. See ya. See ya. Hey, Waldorf, you can take out your earbuds now. Show's over. These aren't earbuds, they're earplugs. How else do you think I could get through this podcast? Oh! <laughs> <laughs>